This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? Y'all all right? You feeling good this morning? Are you glad that you came to church this morning? Not just the church, but are you glad you came to the Promise Center this morning? Woo! I was over there just getting it. Your love awakens. Uh, doing kid and play. Y'all don't know about that, but uh, that's going to just be between me and the Holy Ghost. So, man, so, so grateful to be here with you guys. You have a and are a fantastic church. Like, you guys are absolutely amazing. And I'm not just saying that. I got to be in the little team huddle uh, before first service and just seeing everyone so and so they told me, don't you hold the bottom of that microphone. I used to I like to hold it like this, like a rapper. But I got this nice jacket on, so I'm going to keep it sophisticated to this morning. OK, on today. But um that when I was in there, I saw everybody connecting and just plugged in, and it's amazing. Uh, Brian Houston said this, a pastor in Australia. He said that great churches are not built by the talents of a few, but by the sacrifices of many. And that is very apparent and obvious here that you guys are in this thing and you are committed to reaching this city. And I applaud you. It's inspiring. My wife and I are here this morning. Lorna, hey. Can y'all just give a little clap? Just a little. I'm married up, guys. Literally, when she puts on heels, she's taller than me. So, um, but I'm thankful to have her with me. She's not always with me. We have two little big-headed boys at home. One is three. One is three months. And uh, I'm, they, they literally have large cranial structures. It's funny. Kanan, the oldest, he's in the 96th percentile for head size. And then his little brother's in the 94th uh, percentile. So when they walk around the house, it's just like, Doo. I'm like, I'm scared they'll fall down the stairs, but it's all good because they'll stop at the next step just on their head, <laughs> just feet. But they're awesome. I, I happen to really enjoy them. And uh, I got to shout out Pastor Chad and Heidi. You guys have amazing leaders here. Ow! Give a shout out to my boy Joshua holding it down on the front row. Do you love your pastor's kids, man? They're, they're great. And uh, Mikey and Charity, thank you guys so much for having me. Mike took me to the dopest breakfast spot. I got a cinnamon roll like this big around, which I never saw again after I brought it back to the king's house. So somebody ate that. I'll be looking for that. And I'm going to hunt you down, Josh. I know where you sleep. But thank you guys so much for your hospitality. And uh, I got to shout out Mario. Um you guys, I mean, he's the person that you just, you love him, but you also, like, in your heart, despise him. Because he can sing, play the guitar, then he's like, hey, so for all, you just want to play this song? He's on the piano, and then he's on the drums. I'm like, what can't this dude do, man? It's not fair. And so, Mario, I love you and hate you. But, um... <laughs> 
No, you guys are just blessed with really great people. Got to sit down with Jeremy, and uh, he got to share some of like his amazing mind with us. It, it's just, it's awesome, man. I come a lot of places. When I was in Royal Taylor, we played like 140 shows a year, and so I've been to a lot of churches, been in a lot of houses, and you guys are a blessed people to be here, and I know that you guys know that, so I'm going to stop bragging on you. Just sometimes when you get in it, you don't realize how good it is, so I just want to come and bring that fresh perspective like it's super dope. If you were here Friday night, it was totally lit. It was so awesome. But uh, would you stand with me one more time? I just want to pray together. Jesus, uh, we're trusting you with these next few moments. Thank you for all of these that have gathered together. God, I pray that you would bring us in around your glory, that you would bring us in around you and your cross and your finished work that you have done on our behalf. Uh, we give you glory and honor. I pray that I wouldn't be leaning on self, that I wouldn't be leaning on jokes or personality or phrases, God, but I pray that your spirit would do what only you can do, God. I pray that the guard around our hearts would be dropped, God, and that you would have open access to do amazing things in us. God, we trust you and we love you in Jesus' name. And the church said, A to the man. Go ahead and take a seat. You know, have you had these moments like you wake up in the morning, you think you're good, you go to the mirror, you get ready to brush your teeth, you look in the mirror, and you're like, oh, snap. The struggle's real this morning. <laughs> like, I woke up like this. I woke up like this. Like, I don't know if you guys have had Sometimes in life, it's a common adage now in pop culture, the struggle is real. Like, the struggle is real. When, when, when it's hard to find that parking spot at the front of the store, man, the struggle is real today, you know? When you're getting a little, um, you know, nice time of communication with your significant other that's a little heightened and perhaps a little emotional, you know, you're like, we're working through our issues. Oh, this person does not understand me. The struggle is real. Like, sometimes... We, we go through these moments in our lives, and there's no better way to, to define it than, man, the struggle. Like, this is laborious. This is hard work. Like, the struggle is real. Now, the struggle is more real for some than others. <laughs> Let's be honest. The struggle is not equal. I, I, I want you guys to check out these people. Look at this. It's not delivery. It's the struggle. Like, you couldn't even get a little Caesar's pizza for $5. I don't know what, like, kind of pizza places you have here. You, you, you can't even go get DiGiorno. You got a little piece of bread that you just sprinkled a little cheese on with some pepper. Put that mug in the microwave. It's not delivery. It's, the, it's not DiGiorno. That's too sophisticated. The struggle is real in this house, man. But look at this next one. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. When you're trying to cook bacon in your flat iron, ladies. That's why every time you walk by, it's like, does she smell like bacon? <laughs> like, you're using the same thing. The struggle is real. Like, babe, you cooking breakfast? Yeah. In the bathroom? This makes no sense. The struggle is real. I walked in on this. I saw this. I had to take a picture real quick. Just kidding, guys. Come on. You all right? The next one. 
Like you just want to have the purse, the name brand purse so bad. But let me give you a little secret. If you write in the name brand on it, the struggle is real. And you spelled it wrong, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize him. Oh, Louie. All right, next. Is there another one? Oh, yeah. Guys, these aren't Nikes. These Psyches. <laughs> these, these aren't real. How do you get some boots and put a piece of tape on those mugs and just write a check mark? They don't even have the right check mark. There's not even a point on that. that what is that? Struggle is real. Now, I can't have J's, but I'm going to put a piece of tape on my shoes, and we're going to be all right. The struggle is real, man. And I, I say this in jest, and it's funny and stuff, but, you know, for a lot of us in this room this morning, the struggle is real. The struggle is real. The struggle is being real. It, it, it's stepping outside of this persona that we have created where everybody thinks that we've got it all together. The marriage is perfect. The house is perfect. The relationships are perfect. The job situation is on fleek. Outfits on point. Nails done. Hair done. Everything dead, dead. And all that we think is all good. But it's all fake. And the last thing that we need in this time is for a plastic church to be the only church that the world sees. That, that we, we need more than ever an authentic church, a real church, a transparent church. People that are not trying to pose and pretend and be somebody we're not. But the struggle for us many times is being real. It's being real. The, the thing that we have to understand, the foundation of all of this is that you have to be humble. You know those stuck-up Christians? Walking around with the nose up. No humility, just, just, just arrogance. You can't talk to them about anything. You, you can't share your struggle with them because you know there's a Bible verse coming. That There's no identifying with like, sometimes I just want someone to say, yeah, this is awful. I don't want a verse. I don't want to be encouraged. I don't want positive encouraging. I want real, like, identifying with me. Man, this is a rough situation. But we've got to, like, tear down some of these ideas about humility because we flipped what humility really means and what humility really is. If you want to be real, you have to learn how to walk in humility because humility produces authenticity. Humility produces authenticity. When you're not trying to pretend to be someone you're not, you end up being who you actually are. It's crazy how it works. Humility produces authenticity. I want to debunk this myth about humility. Humility is not shrinking your strengths. It's owning your struggles. Humility is not shrinking your strengths. Don't you ever shrink yourself to fit into the dysfunction and the mediocrity around you. Don't, don't ever look at yourself less than you ought to, but don't look at yourself higher than you ought to. There should be a balance between these are the things that I'm good at. 
And these are the things that I'm terrible at. But a lot of times what we do is we downplay our strengths. And then when someone identifies an actual area of weakness in us, we puff ourselves up so that we protect ourselves from being insecure. So people don't see our insecurity. And they don't see insecurity. They see pride. We have to get to this place where we, we, we own our struggles. That's where the strength is. That's where the power is. And that seems to work against each other. It doesn't really make sense to say that owning your struggles actually gives you strength. But we're going to unpack it here today. Because we all have stories that we wish everyone knew, but none of us want to tell. We have stories we wish everyone knew, but none of us want to tell because it requires a humility. It requires a humbling of self. It requires an authenticity that we just can't bring ourselves to because the pain of being real just feels so great. As a generation, we are not just defined by our brokenness. We've become silenced by it. There are some areas and issues of our lives that we just don't talk about. Do you ever get together with family and you know, okay, we're just not talking about that. This is not going to end well. This is a subject that is off limits. Unfortunately, for many of us, there are many places in our lives of deep hurts and deep wounds and things that have happened to us and experiences that we've walked through and perhaps poor choices that we've made. And now the, the best thing that we can think to do is shut the world off from our brokenness. When I was a senior in high school, it's about four foot 11, and uh, I, we, we had first block, you also have blocks, like first block, second block, third block. No, okay. Um, uh, we would have first block, and it was my gym class. Now, I got to be in the gym class with my girlfriend, saying I was like pushing a little extra weight. You know what I'm saying? Had put a little. Hey, just go ahead and put another up 45 on there. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get these reps in real quick. And I, I would be in this gym class, and I'd be hanging out with with with, with her and trying to impress her, of course, because when Bay is there, you got to do all the cool stuff. So I'm there, and we're at the track. And uh, now some of y'all, this you're not gonna know anything about this. That's okay. You're gonna catch up. And you're gonna get it later. But I had these Reebok classics. Just like clean white with the navy blue. And we didn't tie them. Why would you tie your shoes? <laughs> just shoelaces everywhere. Just So I, just, I, you know, got my little matching little outfit on. Got my little Reebok classics on. Got, got a little shoddy, you know, over here. And we're going out to the track because we're going to run the 40. We're going to time the 40. And I thought, you know, I could change my shoes. And, uh, you know, probably do all right. But, of course, cool over everything. <laughs> you know, like swag over everything. So, so I love my little Reeboks on. I'm not going to tie them. I don't need to tie my shoes. Step out. Coat blows the whistle. I'm gone. 
Wheels, baby. Just rolling. They used to call me, because my name's Torrin Wells. When I played T-ball, they called me Torrin Wheels, because I was quick like that, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so, so I'm running, and I'm just like floating, just cruising, Usain Bolt, just gone like a mug. And I'm just rolling. And then I run out of my shoes, trip, fall, roll, uh, uh. Stand up real quick, you know, because when you fall up the stairs or you fall when walking, you just get up real quick. <laughs> like, I'm good. Like, nothing happened. Don't act like it doesn't happen. We know. <laughs> Own the struggle, guys. So I trip. I roll across the finish line. Get up real quick. What's my time? I try to shave off a few seconds. And y'all saw how in the Olympics that girl took my strategy, and she did. She got a gold medal. No one was handing out medals this day. But I, I was out there, and I got up real quick, just shook it off. I'm like, good. My girlfriend's like, oh, my gosh, Torn, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Just chill, girl. Straight. So I get up, go through the rest of the day, man. Arm hurts a little bit, but I'm like, no one's going to know that. No one's going to know that I fell while running. Like, how uncoordinated do you have to be to fall while running? It's not, not too difficult. Go home, eat dinner, sit with the family, go to bed, wake up in the morning, and I, like, can't move my wrist. Go down to my dad, like, Dad. <laughs> I'm 17 years old. Dad. My wrist it hurts. Like, what'd you do? I don't know, Dad. <laughs> I, just, I just woke up like this. <laughs> so he's like, all right, well, let's go to the emergency room. Go in. I broke my wrist. My wrist is broken. Had a cast for the rest of my senior year. Bright orange, just like my man over here. Just cast it up, man. Except you're a small child. Not me. Old enough to drive, falling while running. And uh, I, I'm wearing this cast. And you know what? It dawned on me. I went like a whole day broken. Didn't say anything to anybody. Went home, had the normal conversations with my parents. Didn't say anything to anybody. Woke up the next day, and the pain was just too unbearable. I had to say something. You know, we do this a lot of times in our lives. We convince ourselves that hiding is better than healing. We convince ourselves that we can just hide it, downplay it, excuse it, medicate it, justify it, tuck it behind the scenes of our lives. We respond to our spiritual brokenness in the exact same way, forgetting that God cannot fix who we pretend to be and God cannot heal what is kept concealed. So what do we do? We continue to perpetuate a persona of perfection only to make us more captive to the pain. But I came this weekend to, to call somebody out of the shadows, out of your brokenness, out of your dysfunction, out of the denial that surrounds it all. Because if we're going to ever be whole, we have to get real. If we're going to ever really overcome the things in our lives, we're not going to be able to pray it off. We're not going to be able to wish it away. 
We're not going to be able to bury it deeper inside of us like a cancer growing eventually will come to the surface. If we are going to be whole, we have to be willing to get real. But our response too many times is to bury our brokenness and become a prisoner of it than to reveal our brokenness and be blessed by it. We would rather bury it and become a prisoner than reveal it and be blessed by it. But I want to bring your attention to a dude named Jacob. He had this issue his whole life. Jacob. Jacob's name meant deceiver. That was the identity of his life. Liar, supplanter, deceiver. Does anybody um, know their name and what it means? I want to hear, like, what's your name? What is it? Sandra. Sandra. Nice to meet you, Sandra. What's your name mean? Helper of mankind. That's an amazing meaning. That's wonderful. I didn't even realize. Sandra. Who knew? Helper of mankind. Who else? I want to hear some names, and I want to hear what they mean. Yes, ma'am. Soldier for Christ. Christine. Soldier for Christ. Watch out for that, girl. She'd take you down in the name of Jesus real quick. Get, get you all in a holy go headlock. Okay, who else? Name? Yeah. Mark. What, what is it? More like? Warlike. Ugh. Flex. I love it. Warlike. Don't be picking fights, man. All right, bro. Yeah. Lorraine, it's a region in France, so you worldwide. <laughs> You're kind of a big deal, Lorraine. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Remember me. My name, guys, it's Torin. I, I, that's what I got. It's what I got to work with, you know. My, my dad made up this whole big story of some warrior named Torin that came to liberate this people. And I'm like, Dad, you made that up. Like, I know what you're doing. This is a tactic that parents use to talk their kids up when they're misbehaving. Like, I know what this is. But many of us, we, we don't really think about what our name means or what's happening or, or the power of what we speak over our lives. Do you know that there is generative power in the words that you speak? that the words you speak create the reality that you live in. That's why it's so important that we guard what comes out of our mouth. Remember this with Job? He was, the enemy was trying to get Job to curse God and die. It was what came out of Job's mouth that determined what would happen in his life. It's the same with every one of us. The enemy is after what you speak. Because if he can get to what you are saying, he can get to the life that you are living. Because the words that you speak create the world that you live in. That's why it's so important, parents, that we speak life over our kids. That we speak destiny over our kids. That, that's why it's so important, husbands, that you speak life over your wife. Unless you want to die. You speak life. You speak good things. You speak up. It's so important that we speak life and that we're intentional about the words that we say because they create a reality and this reality was created in Jacob his name meant deceiver and from the time he was in his mother's womb he was living up to what he was called 
That's why you got to be careful who you get around and what they call you. Because you're going to live up to it. That's why you need to be in circles, surrounded by people who are speaking life into you. This dude, Jacob, he got caught up trying to be someone he was not. From the time he was in his mother's womb, trying to grab at Esau to get in front of him so that he could be born first, just in his nature, in his DNA, in his makeup, was this desire to to manipulate the situation, to get what he wanted out of it. And he wrestled with this his entire life. It plagued him his entire life. He was a phony fraud his entire life. He was a poser his entire life until we meet him in Genesis 32. And in Genesis 32, the Bible says that Jacob was left alone, and he wrestled with a man until the breaking of day. Many believe that this man, this angel, was actually God manifest right there wrestling with Jacob. And it says that now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, this is God saying when he saw he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And even in his brokenness, Jacob continued to struggle. Do you know that the defining thing of Christianity is is that you are free to struggle? You're not struggling to be free. Jacob wasn't trying to get away. He was trying to get something out of the match he was in. We try to run from our struggles. But this was not the attitude or mindset of Jacob. He was ready to meet it head on through the pain, through the hurt, through the discomfort. He was determined that tonight was going to change absolutely everything. And the Bible says that the angel spoke to him and said, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He knew that even though he was broken, he could still be blessed. He knew that even in the middle of his brokenness, there was a blessing if he would continue to struggle. And so the angel says to him this. He asked this question. This is like the most important thing that Jacob will ever be asked in his life. And it is this question, and it's the question God's asking you. What is your name? See, for Jacob, this was a loaded question. He had been pretending to be someone he wasn't his whole life. He he, he was here again in the shadows, struggling to find his identity. And in the midst of this, he has this test. Would he own who he was? Or would he continue to pose as someone else? It was dark. No one could see him. It could have been another opportunity for him to continue pretending, but instead he speaks back with this resolution. I am Jacob. With with no hesitation that that we can gather, not even thinking about it, he was so ready to expose who he really was. And I want to ask you, who are you really? Who, Who are you really? 
I know you came into church and you look all good and your hair's all nice. You got a little button up on. And then you're doing your little thing and we raise our hands and we sing our songs. But, but who are you really? We're, we're singing the worship songs in here, but how are we talking to people around us? Who, who are you really? Are you really willing to look at yourself and ask that question and Jacob is is willing to do it he's willing to say this is who I am for better or for worse with my past and my struggles and my disappointments and all the times that I fell short and all the times that I messed it up I'm Jacob I'm nothing more and I'm nothing less but this is who I am and the angel replies and he says, you will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. See, once Jacob won the struggle in himself, he won the struggle with God. Once he won the struggle to be real with himself, to own his struggle, he prevailed against men. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord blessed him there. See, the degree of our spiritual health is determined by our level of honesty about our struggles. You can pretend to be something you're not all day long. You could come in and worship and have all of the little phrases right and have your sentences put together and have everything with a nice little Christian bow on it. But that's not the real indicator of your spiritual maturity or your spiritual health. Your willingness to express your struggle, to reveal what you're struggling with, indicates your spiritual health. And the Bible says that this is the place that God blessed him. Jacob's blessing came from Jacob's breaking. Jacob's blessing was packaged with his brokenness. You think your brokenness has separated you from God. Your brokenness is a magnet an invitation for him to come in and meet you in a way that you've never experienced before. We've got it flipped. We think talent signifies greatness. We, We think intelligence, personality, popularity, success, that these are the indicators of greatness. But, but your greatness will be determined by your level of honesty about your struggle because God can turn it around to use it in your favor because he never wastes a wound. God never wastes a wound. You, you may experience trouble in this life and hardship in this life and wounds and people may hurt you and they may walk away from you. But I can tell you this, that your wounds are windows through which the light of God's grace shines through. God's not going to waste your wounds. He's going to use them in a greater way. 
And this is, this is the authority that God gave Jacob when he changed his identity. He changed everything about him in a moment by what he spoke over him and called him Israel. And then he gave him naming rights to name the place that this struggle took place. When you had the authority to name something, that meant something. You have been given an authority from God to define an experience. Do you know that Jacob decided to call this place Peniel? And he said, for I have seen God face to face. If you want to have a face to face encounter with God, you've got to realize it's face to face. It's not facade. We can't just continue to pretend. We have to be willing to take off the mask and get to this place where we are face to face with God. He sees us for who we really are, and we get to behold him for who he really is. And then he gives us authority to name that place. He wants to give you authority over your struggle. He wants to give you authority over your wounds so that he can use them for his glory. We've got to get face-to-face with God, and if we're going to get face-to-face with him, we have got to be real because it's only face-to-face with Jesus that we become spiritually whole and our brokenness finds purpose. There's a reason you've walked through what you've walked through. And you can waste the purpose of your pain if you never find that place face-to-face with God. He never wastes a wound. There's a story of hope. There's a story of healing and redemption that God is wanting you to share with the world. But you've got to be willing to pull back the veneer. And say, God, use who I really am. We think we're too broken. We think we're a lost cause. but We've been dropped one too many times. But God uses the broken pieces of our lives to construct a platform from which he displays his glory. You are not too broken. There is something that God wants to do with the broken pieces of your life because he performs his greatest miracles in our deepest wounds. Jesus appears to Thomas, and this is the second time that he appears to all of the disciples. The first time, he missed it. He wasn't in the room. And this time, Jesus shows up just for Thomas. He walks through the wall, and Jesus says, peace be with you, because <laughs> I'd be tripping too. Like, what is in this water? Like, I don't understand. You just, a human, just walk through the wall. He comes into the room. This is after Jesus has been crucified, buried, resurrected, revealed himself to the disciples. You can go ahead and come. And then he stands there before Thomas. And Thomas is like, Okay, I know that this is what you said would happen, but I just can't believe this. I know everyone else has seen it and everyone else has experienced it, but I'm just not there yet. And Jesus, 
in an effort to capture Thomas's belief, does something remarkable. See, if I was trying to convince someone that God was real and that he cared about us, it would make sense to me to be like, turn this pulpit into a banana bush. I don't know. Like, do do something like, unpre- like uh, turn this platform into water and let me walk on. Like, let, do, do something supernatural, something absolutely so out of the ordinary. God, you've done this stuff before. Would you do it again? Because if I see that, I'll believe. If I see another miracle, I believe. If, if, if there would just be some tangible evidence that you are who you say you are, then I would be all in. But that's not what Jesus does. He had the ability and the authority to pull back the curtain of heaven to reveal the IMAX of his highlight reel of every miracle that he had ever performed. Thomas, look at this, and and, and look what I did here. And this dude couldn't walk, and now he walks. This dude couldn't see, and now he sees. This dude couldn't speak, and now he speaks. This dude was filled with tons of demons. He's been set free, and in his right mind, this woman was bleeding uncontrollably, and she was healed. This, This man's daughter was dead and, and, and she's healed no recap no highlight reel no rushing wind from heaven no lightning or thunder in the sky no trembling of the earth you know what Jesus does he says Thomas look at my wounds Put your hand where the nail went through. Put your finger in my side where they wounded me for your transgressions. Jesus showed him the wounds. I think sometimes the church has such a hard time identifying with the world because we're trying to show everybody perfection instead of being willing to reveal our wounds. God can do more with your wound than your righteousness. He, 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 he could have robed up. This is Jesus. But no, just look at the wounds. I want to invite you this morning to look at the wounds. I want to invite you this morning to have the boldness to say, you know what? I've messed it up. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just a great loss that you've experienced. Maybe it's words that somebody has said to you that you bought into and they've become a prison in which you live your life. 
I tell you there's hope today? Because of his wounds, by his stripes we are healed. If you're waiting for another supernatural sweeping move of God, look at the person next to you. They're still here through abuse and sickness and disease and cancer and hurt and heartache and heartbreak and loss and disappointment and failure and fractured relationships and brokenness. They're sitting next to you today with hope. stand all over this room. We've got to be willing to bear our scars because they are proof to the world that healing exists. Your scars are proof to the world that healing exists. Sometimes it takes a wound to heal one. Are you willing to own the struggle today? Are you willing to to say, God, man, I've been, I just been closed off, isolated. I want you. I invite you to respond in your own way this morning. If I could prompt you in any direction, I would say just have a conversation with Jesus. We call it prayer, but it's just you being willing and humble enough to express your need. To say, God, I need you. I'm broken. I'm hurting. I've become great at hiding it and pretending. But the bottom line is, I can't live this way anymore. I can't walk around acting like I got, yes, I choose joy. And I know all the scriptures and I choose peace and I want to say the right things. But but the truth is, God, there's something deep inside of me that is broken and I need you to get in and do surgery. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that you'd move in this room, that you would touch every person in a deep way, in a personal way, God. Lord, you see the pain that we've walked through. You've seen the valleys that we've walked through. You've been with us every step of the way, God. And I pray that right now, God, that people would be set free from their continual struggle of trying to make it work and trying to make it happen and putting on the right face. God, we don't want any more facades. We don't want any more poser Christianity. We just want you and we want to be real and we want to be who we are and we want you to shape us and make us and mold us into your image, God. But we know that it starts with us being real and authentic with you, expressing our need for you and God I'm thankful this morning 
Because you, you didn't wait for me to get it all together before you reached down to save me. You didn't wait for me to get everything lined up to reach down to save me. In fact, on my absolute worst day, while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. You gave it all for me when I had nothing to give to you, God. So why would I bring you anything else but my heart, but my brokenness, but my frailties, but my shortcomings? Because I know that where I end, you begin, God. Do something great in me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.